0: Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola.
1: Consumer journalist Wendy Nola with us from our Joburg studios today with a show that's all about technology. And the question under discussion is... Just how patient brands should be with customers who aren't or fait with modern technology, and whether it's reasonable for those customers to expect the continued use of more old-fashioned communication channels. Uh, and we'll try and squeeze in some open line questions towards the end as well. Uh, a reminder: if you'd like to comment on the technology discussion or on another consumer question, the number to dial is zero two one four four six zero five six seven. You can send an SMS to three one five six seven, or uh, leave a voice note on zero seven two. Five six seven one five six seven. Wendy, always great to have you with us. Uh, hello to Joburg, and let's start with a bit of context around
0: why you actually chose to talk about this today. <laughs> Hi, Pippa. Um Yeah, I mean, as you said, te- technology is changing the way the world works at a dizzying pace. Mm. Very few young people ever jo- join draw cash from an ATM anymore. I've asked around pe- my children and older. Older, you know, twenty somethings and they look at me like I'm crazy. Why would you ever go to an ATM? They can't remember the last time they do it. They did it. We used to apologize for buying a coffee with a card, you know, like yes, oh, sorry no, I should I have the other cash. They just I oh, know, it's everything is just card, 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 nineteen Rand, fourteen Rand, it doesn't matter. The card is used. Um and um, you know, as you say, the bank statements are are emailed. In some cases um bills are WhatsApp to one of the municipalities, WhatsApps um bills directly to its consumers. Dare we mention the T V listings Ooh, which now have to be accessed online. Um and And I'm starting to get a lot of um, emails from people who have realized it's the end of the road for the old copper-based landline telecom phones. They're being scrapped, um, and they're being replaced by a SIM-based service. It's not a would-you-like-to-have-it. It It is You have to have it. You have to have it. Copper is, is finito. It's gone. Um, you know, banks penalize customers who insist on going into branches to transact. So, you know, if you're doing something over the counter, you pay extra for that service. Yeah. But so many people have spent, um, decades, um, having good old fashioned human contact. That's the way they like to do business. And so it comes across as quite alienating and, and quite an affront to, to, to people who've, who used to a certain way of doing business. Mm. And then you have, of course, um, People who could be tech savvy, but they live in rural areas where they aren't served um, well by wireless technology, um, and and they now having to use prepaid airtime to get hold of companies um, on premium charged 08 numbers. That's a whole show in itself that I intend to do down the line. But yep. so it leads us to the question of are companies doing a good enough job of understanding the challenges of some of their customers across the spectrum as they invest in the latest greatest first world digital solutions. Okay. So... Yeah. yeah. Well, here's an
1: SMS already in from Sue in Tableview saying over seventies, especially were not brought up with computers and PCs and the internet. Even those who have PCs at home, it's still difficult, difficult when every couple of months, everything changes. Now to see your accounts, you need passwords and the internet. What if we can't afford data to spend time working out how to use these? It is a nightmare. And remember, memories fade as we age and changes are difficult. Sue in Tableview summing up there exactly. Uh, the customer you you have in mind today, Wendy. And I know you're on the receiving end of a lot of complaints from those customers. You feel they're being forced to use technology that they're not comfortable with or that they can't afford to access. And I guess it is a question of of where does this line lie? Because obviously innovation is to be welcomed and companies driving innovation that makes services more convenient and more affordable is great. But you've got to make sure your
0: customers can keep up with it. Exactly. And I mean, I do have I hear from a lot of um, – every week I'll hear from an older consumer who doesn't have email. So they've made the effort. They've either got their, their daughter or son to send me the email or – which is quite – it's very disempowering. Yeah. Or they've walked to, to – gone to an um, internet cafe type place or PostNet, that kind of thing, and sent the email. And then it comes from that company's address, and I can't respond um, and someone did send me a very outraged email about what uh, her bank that was not wanting to post her, um, statements anymore. And, um, I wanted to use that as an example. But now I couldn't, I can't find it because it's an attachment and my search facility on my inbox won't pick up search words in an attachment. So because it came from I, I that sort of generic email yes, center. I, sp- sure. I can't tell you how long I spent trying to find it. And this will give you an idea of the mismatch of, you know, people who, who are wanting to, to interact with the world, but just feel uh, for, for whatever reason. And I have some sympathy with. It. On the other hand, I think it's so easy and it's free to set up a Gmail account. You know, just just embrace it. Just get out of the way you've always done it, and and you'll find that it opens up the world for you. But I still think. Um, there's not enough being done to to take those people by the hand and, and, and help them along that process.
1: Okay. So let's bring in a guest here who, who I want to talk to about exactly uh, this, this issue. Andrew Fraser is an author at Tech Central and uh, joins me on the line now from Johannesburg. Andrew, great to have you with us on the show today. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Thank you very much.
1: I mean, nobody's saying technology cannot be a wonderful enabler. I mean, I I look at my life now and I think, how did I live without Uber, without Google Maps, without Audible, without online shopping? And I could go on and on. But there are people for whom it's very disempowering that they feel on the wrong side of the curve, as it were. And I think there are really two big issues we need to flag here. The people who are technophobic for want of a better word or do, don't feel comfortable using the technology and then there are, are are cases, very real cases where accessibility issues are a real thing. Let's start with with the techno literacy question. I think um, for a lot of people it's just a case of of, of not having, as, as that SMS, I don't know if you heard the message from Sue saying I didn't grow up in a world that required me to interact with the internet and with computers and change is difficult. How big a customer base is that do you think Andrew?
2: I think it's it's fairly large. I think when we talk about it, I mean, it's very easy to talk about the, the kind of people over seventy that don't have this this techno literacy, but there's a massive rural population that we have that don't have uh, basic literary, uh, literacy literacy. Um, you know, expecting them to have techno literacy uh, is, is expecting a bit much as well. So, I think there's a lot of people that are that are unskilled that just just lack the skills completely that they, they they're they not exposed to it they don't they haven't grown up with it i'm um, i'm 50 years old so you know i i i've been online for for nearly 30 years now but um but there's people that that have just never never been exposed to it so they're obviously going to have issues with it um and if you if your services are, are all online it becomes it becomes impossible for those people to access those services completely yeah. um, and I think yes and then when we talk about the older people change is difficult I mean change is difficult no matter what age you are but if you you know as you, as you age change becomes more difficult um, and you you find it more difficult to learn new skills as you as you age so I think there's there's a real issue and I think service providers are well, they should be required to offer alternatives, and that, those alternatives shouldn't be at any additional cost. I mean, those, those are the basic services that they provide. A bank shouldn't charge you for extra for doing the same work uh, in a branch as it does online, in my yeah. opinion. Um, they're doing exactly the same job. Yes, I understand that maybe more people have to be involved, but those are your customers. That's, that's the service that you provide. Yeah. Um,
1: that's a huge so, issue. I mean, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, the costing, I think is a huge one, Andrew, because we know, for example, that, uh, uh, engaging and, and asking for a bank statement in the bank attaches a quite substantial cost, uh, um, versus doing it for free online. So the, the, the customer is being penalized, uh, in the current model. And I think it's a source of great, um, agitation and a, a sense of, of, of really being a second class customer almost, which is surely not how a brand wants you to feel about them.
2: Yeah, look, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I kind of understand why the banks do that. I mean, they're, they're trying to incentivize people to use their digital channels because those digital channels are they're generally more efficient. They're more accurate because people are less accurate. So there's fewer errors and there's fewer mistakes um, from their side. Um, the costs are lower. They need fewer people to do the work so they're not paying as many people. So for the banks particularly or for these big service providers, those digital channels save them a lot of money. Because they, they, not just in terms of people, but also in terms of errors and mistakes mm-hmm. because because human error is the biggest problem in, in any kind of uh, industry like that, so I understand why they incentivize people to move away from those those services, but i don 't think it 's necessary to penalize people in in the way that they do at the moment
1: okay so that 's the the techno literacy issue let 's talk about the actual accessibility issue because I think a, a large source of frustration for many people is is the actual physical method of interaction with so many of these platforms oh uh, for example, using touch screens, the tapping, the swiping, it might be second nature to a millennial, but it is not necessarily easier for an older user. And I know, for example, my mom sent back her last phone upgrade because the swipe just wouldn't work for her. I think it's something in the family fingertips because I, for example, cannot use a laptop, um, with a touch sensitive mouse pad. I mean, everybody in this building knows if we're doing any kind of event that requires a laptop to be set up for me, there's got to be a mouse because my fingertip doesn't work. It's a silly example, but it's much more serious for someone who, for example, might have a disability of some kind or might suffer from tremors in their hands, which affect their ability to use touchscreen technology. It is something that, that is impacted as we age in particular. Do you think enough, uh, is enough thought has gone into the design of, of these apps? and the way we interact with them, Andrew?
2: I think that there's, there's two kind of issues here. So technology in general, so when we're talking about the, the people that are building the smartphones themselves and making the actual, the hardware, etc., and, and working on the, the operating systems on these, of these devices, I think are doing an incredible job at the moment to try and address accessibility. So they, they, they work towards a thing which they call inclusive design, which means that, people that, that maybe have some, some kind of physical limitations are able to interact with these devices. So that could be in the case of having things like screen readers for, for the blind. And those, mm-hmm. those are often built into the operating system itself. So if you buy an Apple iPhone, for example, or an Android phone, the, the, there is built into the actual operating system a screen reader which will read off in, in, in fake voice everything that's on the screen. Um, they, have, they all have kind of voice recognition now so that you can actually give commands by voice rather than touch. Mm-hmm. Um, they have specific kind of app design um, concepts to make sure that there's um, an ability to improve the contrast on the screen, or the or the font size, or to make sure that there's no um, kind of colour problems for people that are, are colorblind, for example. Yeah. So all of those things are happening in the in the kind of greater ecosystem of tech, where they're working towards these these kind of things. Um, are the the app? Uh, the people that are actually making the apps for for the service providers are they following those those schemes? Uh, it, I think it varies. I think some of them are, some of them aren't. Um, some of them aren't, aren't making it a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot more that can be done um, in terms of the apps themselves, as opposed to the, the operating systems and the hardware um, that that can be done to make it better.
1: Okay. There's also, I think, a security concern here, Andrew, because it strikes me. If the app is difficult for somebody to use they're only, and they're they're forced to to use that because there is no other option or because they can't afford to be penalized in the bank fees, for example, by going into the branch that means that they're required to turn to a third party for help, and that immediately becomes a point of vulnerability. Do you think that um again, do you think brands are being conscious enough of that that they're potentially putting their own customers at an additional risk because of that
2: um i don't I... I think they're probably aware of it. I, I'm, I'm not think they particularly care, to be honest with you. Um, that's not that's not high on their their list of priorities because it's not an, an issue for them. Um, I think that there is, especially we you know, we were talking about older people. I think there is a lot of mistrust um, about. Technology and people are scared of being hacked and having their their accounts hacked and their money stolen and things like that. Sometimes uh, a legitimate fear, sometimes maybe a little bit irrational and and just caused by rumour mongering. Um, but yeah, I think you know if you've got a you you need a third party to to run your your um, your banking app for you, that that is a security risk. It is a problem. Um, and I don't think the banks are really going to approach that and 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 do anything about it. It's not their problem. Their argument would be, you know, if you can't do it on the app, you need to come to the come to the branch and do it.
0: Yeah, get with the party, Wendy. Anything yeah. else you'd like to put to Andrew before we let him go? Um, well, just further to what you said. I mean, we we all know that sort of 60 is the new 50 kind of thing. Very few people are well. What? wanting to or able to retire completely at 60 or 65. And so you're going to have an older, more, less of the sort of granny with the gray hair in the bun knitting for the grandchildren. Many of them are, are still active in the economy. Um, and yet, you know, the tech giants, are, I don't get a sense, are developing enough products to cater for that section of the workforce, um, albeit, uh, you know, um, sort of. Um, uh, what a sort of part-time kind of workforce, work-from-home type of thing? I don't see much evidence of, of phones and other gadgets that are that are specifically marketed at that end of the market. Everything is for the young, for the hip, and happening. Am I just looking in the wrong places? Or South Africa kind of does not considered to be a big enough market for you know engaged older folk who who want um, technology specifically designed for them.
2: I I don't know whether there actually is a huge market. I mean, I think there, there are devices that are designed for for the aged, for example. You know, telephones with, with big number with big number pads on them, etc. For people that, that maybe have poor eyesight and stuff like that. But they tend to be kind of niche niche products. Um, I don't think that there's any major movement to create um, devices for for the kind of uh, older older workforce, if you like. Um, I think what's happening is is that the, those access. That that the accessibility is improving on the current devices. Um, I don't think people talk about it enough. I don't think there's enough uh, information that that there are these built-in um, features within within smartphones to make it easier for people that have access. Uh, yes, that's very true. To um, and I think that one of the problems is that that there's there's just an assumption that people know how to use these products, and there's no there's no kind of training. You know, if I go to uh, a, a mobile network store or whatever and I buy a phone. It's very unlikely that the the person that's selling me the device is, is capable of actually showing those kind of um, those kind of features.
0: I think that's a very key point. Mm-hmm. I often get people wanting to return phones that they've bought on contract either over the phone or in a store where they just the phone arrives or they get home and they just they just Or let's see, they don't know how to operate it. And, of course, they don't have a right to return it because, you know, it's not defective. It's just that that's not right for them. And that's, I get often. um, So I think empowering people in the store to walk people, talk people through how these phones actually work and set things up for them, that would help a lot. And point out yeah, those special features, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I think also the personal, you, you have to take some personal responsibility as well. If you True. if you have one an issue, um, if let's, for example, like uh, your eyesight is, is poor, when you buy the phone, you should be saying to the guy, I have poor eyesight, how can I increase the contrast on the phone? How can I make sure that the font size is big so that it, it's easier for me to read? Um, you know, I want to control the thing by I voice, you know, how do I set that up? You need to ask because unfortunately if you don't ask, uh, you're not going to get that kind of service.
1: Andrew Fraser, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Andrew's an independent marketing consultant and writer for Tech Central. Really value uh, your input and I think that's a really important message about empowering yourself and asking the questions and not waiting for somebody to point these things out to you. Cave
2: Talk. Consumer Talk. You can call us now on 21 four six. Oh, five, six,
1: seven. right so we continue the conversation around technology and uh, whether those who are not technologically literate need to make the effort to become so or whether the brands the banks the big online suppliers should be making allowances and offering alternatives that don't penalize them for transacting in a more for lack of a better term old-fashioned way i've got ian on the line from paul who wants to comment on those who have accessibility issues ian good afternoon
2: yeah, good afternoon. I live in an area with poor phone reception. Now, if I want to do an EFT to somebody new, I have to get um, a A one-time signal. pin? Yeah. yeah. No, it's not a one-time pin. Um, those tend to come through reasonably well, but I've got to reply with a one or a nine.
1: Okay. Yeah, you
2: know, And that... That can take me three quarters of an hour. Yes, yeah, I yeah. have to keep clicking the resend button and, you know, it's it's just crazy.
1: So there's a good example of it's not because you haven't learned to use the technology, it's that the infrastructure does not support your use of the technology in the area you're living in. I mean, do you That's just right. have to live with it? Is there no alternative?
2: There, there doesn't seem to be any alternative. And, you know, I'm quite in the I'm not totally in the sticks.
1: That's really interesting. So even in a semi-urban area, if we can put it that way, it's an issue. And thanks for flagging that and demonstrating there very clearly, Wendy, what, uh, yes, what Andrew was talking about. That line
0: was not good. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yes. Um, I think, I'm not sure. We're going to talk a little bit later about, um, the goodbye copper, hello fiber. Yes. And we'll what's replacing the old landline phones. And maybe when that happens in his area, it's being rolled out from September. That may or may not uh, solve the problem. Um, But yes, uh, I think technology solutions are always, they're great when they work. I mean, I was um, flying up to Joburg yesterday. Um, I popped into the Woolies in the airport and I've got a few things and, um, I was approached to say, um just to let you know, nationally, all our card payments are not working. Ooh. And I had to put half the things back and just keep a little thing that I wanted to eat on the plane. Yeah, Because, <laughs> because imagine cash. the sales they lost, but we're yeah. just talking about the march to the cashless society. Anybody under 25 would have to put everything away and walk out. Well, exactly. I you mean, know? I'm smiling quietly
1: because I did tuck shop duty at school this morning on my way into work, and I had a girl paying a, a, a 3 rand bill by snapscan snap scan, and I sort of looked at you her know? as if to say, are you nuts? And you she looked back at me as, as if to say... What's the What's issue? Problem? Yeah, yes. whereas you know, I grew up in, as you said at the beginning, you you apologise if you're using a credit card for a transaction less than sort of 50 rand. Uh, it's swung
0: completely the other way. Completely, and uh, I honestly didn't realise quite how far it had swung and quite how completely on the cash thing for under 20 under 20 s, whatever, um, until very recently when I was researching another show. It, it was it quite staggered me, and then I thought of my own, own children, and they were like, no, we we don't have cash, we don't need cash. Yeah. Um. Even now, you see the. Um, Post offices have announced that at the post offices where they do um, uh, process car license renewals, you are now finally able to use a credit or a debit card to pay there. Whereas in the past, you always had to draw all the notes for your 500 rand or whatever it was to renew your license. So, yes, when it works, it's fine. But if 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 the system fails, then it's catastrophic. And yeah. uh, you know whether your area doesn't have is not properly served by by. Um, you know, Wi-Fi yet properly, or, or whatever it may be. Um, so there are you know many reasons for technology alienation. Yeah. Whatever.
1: Well, let me just share with you some of the messages coming through, which are many of them focused on the banks. Uh, but but first, here's a general one from somebody saying, "I have a 92-year-old friend who does not have a cell phone or a PC." I'm 75. I am very computer literate, but like you, Pippa, cannot cope without a mouse. I'm also not happy with using the tap option of my credit card as it's difficult to keep track of expenses. Somebody else complaining. Graham saying, my bank says I'm obligated to have tap and go. I don't want it. Another WhatsApp saying, Capitech sent me a message that I need to get a new phone because mine is too outdated for their app. As a example, it's not a joke. Mm. I mean, mm. these are a concrete, and again, it's coming back to the banks. And uh, while we're speaking about the cash, the ATMs seem to be a big bone of contention here. One yes. WhatsApp saying, FNB ATMs are constantly offline. They want us to stay out of the bank, but then the ATMs don't support our transacting outside of the bank. Wendy, uh, you've you've dealt yes. with this issue as well, haven't yes. you? Yes,
0: FNB comes up a lot with ATM network. They want you to stay out of the bank, but they also want you to stay away from the ATMs. They want they you want to, to you just online. use your card. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the, uh, for, for cash and all the other things. Some people um, do other things um, on the whatever, they've each brand, bank has a, a brand for their sort of extended ATM um, machine. So I – let me find her. I got an um, email from Sandal Robson who said it's getting harder and harder to find an FNB ATM which accepts cash deposits. Again, the cash issue now – not just wanting to um, withdraw it But wanting to deposit it She said since the beginning of August I've been trying to find a cash accepting ATM In Brackenfell The F&B website returns with no results found When one searches advanced. There, there's that word advanced ATM yeah. Which are cash accepting And my emails to F&B care have been fruitless She says I want to know With all the marketing F&B does And all the many clients they have Are they too poor to install Decent working ATMs for their clients Or must we continue loving this Abuse. Kindly ask them that question. And <laughs> so, so you did. I, did. I, I obliged. Um, she also sent photographic evidence of, of the problem um, with lack of um, ATM infrastructure with that bank. FNB responded by saying, FNB has a set criteria for device distribution in terms of the number of transactions per device in a month, as well as coverage over national distribution. Um translation is probably we put the ATMs where they're needed, I suppose. Yeah. We acknowledge that during peak periods such as month end, customers may encounter queues, and we're consistently working to minimise queuing times across all our branches. One of um, our listeners' other questions was around why are there such long queues at um FNB ATMs and not other banks' ones. Currently, we are monitoring the site Flagged by our customer to Im- customer to improve queuing time and to establish the viability of additional cash accepting devices. Um, a, lot but, bank there, but, a lot of banks speak
1: yeah, in there. A lot of banks speak. They yeah. just
0: don't seem to be able to speak in any other way, which I think is also I think is alien, alienating for all of us. Um, it's just um, not. It doesn't land well with consumers. We don't speak like that. And just because it's a bank doesn't mean you have to speak in that sort of highly constricted um, corporate way. But anyway, um, they answered. um, And again, um, you know, if you, for whatever reason, want to deposit cash into an ATM, um, you are going to be charged and quite a lot. Yeah, Mark is just asking about that on the SMS line. So
1: saying, why should they levy uh, fees at us for using an ATM to make cash deposits? Um, I mean, how, it's a good question because how, if you can't do it in the branch, they don't want you doing it in the branch. How else are you meant to deposit cash well, if you're paying yeah, they s- cash?
0: They're saying we, you must, should be doing everything online. You should be doing, um, EFTs and there is, um, a, um, charge, a labor, um, outlay to process actual cash and we're going to charge you for it. Never mind that we charge you bank fees and everything else. As it is, yeah. We are going to levy an extra charge. It's all designed to, incentivize you to stay away from the branch. F&B, by the way, is the one bank that actually charges you to go into the bank to fetch your card, your debit or your credit card. Yes. All the others charge you. We've covered this on the show. Yeah. All the others charge you extra if you wanted couriered to your work or your home. But F&B charges you. It's free to courier to you, but they charge you to go into the bank. And some people <laughs> don't feel comfortable giving their ID document to be scanned by a A courier driver and
1: i'm laughing because the i I am an B client and let me tell you that the experience with the particular courier they use is like having a thousand needles poked into your (laughs) eyeballs wendy so yeah um let's just leave it at that okay yeah um we've we've got a couple of voice notes that have come in let's hmm. just take a listen to, to to one or two of those before we move on to the issue of the internet which is another big one but let's hear those voice notes
3: Hi, Wendy and Papa. This copper service for telecom lines is getting a number of people into, you know, quite a tizz, particularly those who, like us, are in rural areas where we do not have um, wireless telephone systems available because there is just no site of... um, uh, Posts and towers where we are And there's no fiber And the act states that Unless There is An alternative service available I.E. Uh, wireless Or fiber That the copper service will continue to be Provided to those subscribers Who do not have an alternative
0: Interesting
3: And so um you know, perhaps you'd like to just allay the fears of, uh, people who are in the rural areas because it's creating huge upset, um, for, for those folks, uh, who are in those rural spaces.
1: Thank you so much for raising that. Wendy, let's just tr- jump ahead then to the issue of the landline disappearing and we'll come back to the internet access question, seeing as it's being raised.
0: Okay. So, um, Many of us have cancelled our telecom landlines and rely solely on our cell phones. Um, I think you and I got there in the last year or so. Yeah. But a relatively high percentage of older consumers and possibly those in um, rural areas, although much sure of that makes sense, still rely on their landlines to stay in touch with family and the community. Um, the old system of the one line, many extensions, walking around the house with one of those wireless handsets. Things that we could buy easily yeah. are soon to be over. Um, from September, in the next few weeks, you're going to be seeing a very um, uh, intensive communication PR uh, exercise that Telcom that, that is going to mount. Because the bottom line is copper-based landline infrastructure has to be phased out Um for two reasons, some areas, the copper has been stolen at a rate that is just completely you know, unplayable they can't um replace it. It, they replace it and out it goes again and it causes obviously lots of downtime with the service. It makes consumers angry. Mm. It's just not sustainable anymore. And then you've got older areas. Um, the area I lived, used to live in in Durban is one of the oldest areas in Durban. And we were constantly having outages because that copper infrastructure, it's crumbly when it rains. It's, you know, it, it gets affected. Yeah. And so those two things together, they've decided this is it. We are we are rolling this out, end of copper, putting fiber in. They're going from area to area, prioritizing those areas where either there's high theft or crumbling infrastructure. So areas like Lentagio lands, lands will 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 be targeted first. People will be given between 30 and 60 days notice of the end of their landline services as they know them. Um Talkum of course says its wireless service is more reliable than its copper based technology and less susceptible to interruptions as a result of bad weather, faults and cable theft. Um but obviously not everyone is thrilled. Um so I had um Dinah Mills of Nordhook write to me to say the phone now she's she's already got this new system. The phone looks like the kind of phone you'd see in an office so the, the handset on the left And then the numbers on the right and this sort of unit I sent you a pic Pippa. Mm. Um, She says it's a shoddy plastic representation Of an ordinary telecom phone Which has to be disconnected And taken from room to room To keep contact with a caller Or to make a call It's cumbersome and totally impractical Calls received or cut off midstream Calls made or cut off midstream It's disgraceful That Telcom can dictate to a defenceless customer Enforcing this third rate Unusable piece of junk which will never be able to guarantee access to emergency calls to police, fire grade, etc., in light of its non existent service. So, okay. really you asked Telcom back.
1: You asked Talking to respond to that, didn't you?
0: Yes. So, spokesman Bertis von der Favor said, Well, what we give consumers um, free is a cell phone that masquerades as a desktop landline. He says it has a SIM with your. Landline number, so OT1 or whatever, and you can take that SIM out and put it into a normal cell phone if you want. He said some people get a dual SIM phone and they put their Telcom SIM, landline SIM, so your OT1 number in yeah. one slot and your obviously your, your cell phone number in the other and he says for one man um, businesses that's fantastic. They don't have to make have someone in an office taking um court bookings and whatever. He says you know, far far greater mobility, um and he says, and it actually isn't even more expensive. It's 199 rand for the base voice product. He says, you get your phone and your router free, unlimited Telecom to Telecom calls at any time, plus two gigs of data on the SIM as well. So you don't need to use any other data in the home for WhatsApp or Facebook. Uh, that's obviously while you're at home. And if you want the um data as well, as you would have had your voice and your ADSL line in the old system, that's yep. 299 Rand a month. Um, and he says the reason Dan is getting dropped calls is because it's cell phone technology. And so when you're not in a, a telecom network where area, they roam on Vodacom. And when there's a handover... Um, between the two networks, um, as people who are used to using cell phones will know, you know that's when you can often get a dropped call. But yeah. he says we're not getting that many reports of dropped calls from our fixed line customers, and generally, and that the feedback from those who've, who've, well, have pretty much been forced into. Um, Embracing this new system or uh, having it in their homes anyway has been pretty good. So that's mm. obviously, that's the up, he's going to give me the upside. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that's the way it goes. As for what happens, um, in the case of, um, somebody in a, in a wireless area, um, I think that's probably true. They can't leave you without any service at all. Um, I would imagine that they would have to then. Um, install the fiber in that area then if it's a very rural area you, you're going to find economies scale scaling a problem not well, to, it's not going to be an affordability, affordability issue for telecom I will most certainly raise that specific question. Well let me just with share with you a, a WhatsApp
1: husband. exactly to that point from someone saying I'm in a, a rural area with no landlines and no cell reception. There is wow. no communication. It's too expensive for people there to install boosters this is in the Karoo area we we used to have landlines, but they were stolen so often that they were disconnected. It is really scary. No communication and feeling very unsafe. Uh, I mean, really, there is is, is the nub of, of the accessibility problem, Wendy. We've got to take a short break. We're going to come back after this with more of the WhatsApps that are streaming in and a comment about postal uh, delivery of bank statements. So don't go anywhere.
2: Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. You can email
0: Wendy on consumer at NOLA.co.za.
1: Okay, Wendy, one of the things we've referenced several times in which many of the questions and uh, comments are referencing is the issue of bank statements, that there are customers who would still prefer to receive their bank statements by post than by email. And... This is one where I do really feel for the banks, Wendy, because knowing so what I. the postal service is like, mm. knowing the risks of that post being intercepted or never reaching the person it's intended for, I think this is one where they are reasonable in pushing back and saying we really, really discourage it. Um, I know you've had a lot of people asking about this and you've done some digging. Do the banks still offer a postal service if a customer insists they want it?
0: They do. I asked all the banks. I got, I've heard from two out of the, well, I've heard two out of four that I asked. APSA says they do still post uh, statements to customers if they ask for it, but it strongly encourages them to embrace electronic as it's easier to audit and track. And with, We did that little little, tiny exercise, Peppa, earlier in the year of posting something from the post office. It was completely hopeless. I think it's safe to say that it's, um, at very best, it is, it is, um, inconsistent. So, you know, if you, you really do want to be getting your bank statements, um, for lots of reasons to look for fraud and to check that you're not being overcharged and all sorts of things. So I really think just as hard as it is to accept that we, you really, if only for your bank statements, need to embrace another form of technology, and the easiest way, easiest thing, or well, it depends, email or um, SMS on your phone. Um, I think relying only on the on the postal service to get your important statements from your insurance companies and your banks is those days, unfortunately, are gone. So you know, if you look at what we've spoken about the last few minutes, crumbling of the landline system, either theft yeah. or old age of of the copper based, and how you've got. um for several reasons, um, a crumbling postal service, um, offering. So we need to protect, to protect ourselves. Embrace the easiest alternative that works for us. FNB and said customers can still request postal statements, but again, not encouraged to do that as it's a security risk. They can also get statements in person at a branch, but they don't say there is. I'm pretty sure that comes, um, well, I, I know that comes at a cost and sometimes quite a big cost. So I think finding a digital solution that works best for you is really, really the only way to go at this point.
1: Okay, here's, I mean, here's a really heartbreaking WhatsApp. It just demonstrates how big a deal and big an issue this is Penny WhatsApping to say my elderly mother absolutely loved her computer but then six months ago her computer guy had to upgrade it and everything on the computer changed she was not the type of person to complain but I will go so far as to say that changing everything on her PC she just couldn't get used to it and it stressed her out so much I believe it contributed to her death last month of a heart attack I know that sounds drastic but this thing upset her terribly Uh, the guy was still trying to get it to operate like the old program when she passed away I don't think one can underestimate how stressful it can be for older people penny I'm so sorry for your loss and yeah that really but thank no, you for, for sending that that WhatsApp because that just demonstrates this is a really it's a huge huge issue. issue huge issue we see
0: it with our parents um sometimes we laugh at them my daughter calls it the granny swipe, the over exaggerated swipe. sometimes if I do it she says stop at that it's a granny swipe. but it's it's as as penny Penny story illustrates you say it's 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 much deeper. It's a it's a huge issue. It can affect somebody right to their core and I yeah. think it needs looking at if I could just say before we end that um um Ben Katie already, whatever her name is, has tweeted to say and uh, this is something I knew and, and neglected to mention. Uh, cash deposits and withdrawals are cheapest at, at at the moment at a supermarket. It seems that a number of banks support cash transactions, and I know Capitech is certainly one of them, at Pick and Pay ShopRite, etc. So that might be the cheapest and easiest way to do that if you're wanting to, to deposit and um, withdraw cash.
1: I didn't know that you could deposit cash there as well. Nor so, did Casey, I. thank you very much for tipping us off about
0: that. Uh, I will check that out independently me. because that's a huge tip, yes. Okay. So we'll follow up on that
1: one. We'll also bring you feedback next week on the dating site – uh, follow-up uh, which uh, was put to us last week but we have run out of time for now Wendy thank you so much for being with us obviously you've hit a nerve or several major nerves I would uh, say I'll share some of the other messages coming through oh, thank you after and, um, two o'clock
0: and and I'll definitely come back on the telecom rural issue and what's happening there
1: okay great we'll look forward to that update Wendy Nona thanks so much for being with us thanks
0: Pippa